You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. When did you take a risk? I'm not talking about when you went to the restaurant and you thought, I'll try something different for a change. You never do. Of course you don't. It's too much of a risk, I'm telling you. I'm talking about the type of risk that's going to make you really uncomfortable. I'm talking about a risk that you know that if you take it, it might fail and it's going to cost you maybe big time. When last did you take a risk for the kingdom of God? If you are anything like me or the people that I know, you probably could put them on one hand. Maybe some of them were for yourself, but for the kingdom, you probably find there's very, very few if you start to think about it. This morning, I want to speak to you about living a life of faith on the edge, about becoming a risk taker, about stepping beyond living life in the comfortable numbness that we sometimes do. And I thank you, uh, Marty. Where's Marty gone? Marty was talking about life becoming mundane. And uh, I I think it's a reality for many, many of us. Do you sometimes feel like, you know, your life is just going around like you're a hamster on a wheel and it's just going round and round and round. I see some heads nodding and, you know, you feel like you're in a rut, but you just don't want to get off because the risk of getting off into the unknown is, is, is sometimes more scary than where you are. Sometimes you're in a job and it's a dead end job and you know it. Man, you know it. You know that your capabilities are so much higher and your God has given you so much more than what you're doing. But to take the risk and suddenly be jobless is too scary. So you don't. And so years go by, years go by, and suddenly you find that you've been in the same job, hating it for 10 years. Some of you have been in toxic relationships. Relationships where, which are not working out good, where, where things are just hard. But it's become your security and your comfort zone. Some of you in your, in your faith, you know that God has much more for you. You know that you should be stepping out. You know you should be sharing your faith. But you just paralyze with fear when the opportunity arrives. And so you go, next time, God. Next time. And so we step into this place called comfortable numb. Becoming comfortably numb. When you live, when you accept a life of, of ordinary, you live a life of ordinary. And you might say to me, what's wrong with ordinary? Isn't ordinary okay? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with ordinary. It's not extraordinary. And that's the problem because God calls you to live an extraordinary life for the kingdom. He doesn't want ordinary lives in the kingdom of God. Because he's given you everything that you need to live an extraordinary life. Many of you all know Denzel Washington, the famous actor. Um, He's actually also a Christian and he's got some really, really good messages. Uh, One of them is called Fall Forward. And uh, it's in relation to that 
that um, little clip that we showed you there. He's, he's talking about the fact that it's, it's uh, in life you're either going to fall forward or fall backwards. There's only one or two things that you're going to do. You can either fall forward or fall backwards. Fall backwards means when you say something like, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, but if it doesn't work, I'll fall back on. I fall back on my security. I fall back on my nest egg. I fall back on, on my comfort zone. I've got something. It's not a risk when you're falling back on something that you know is, is, is still going to be okay. You see, we spend our whole lives, from the time we, we start working, we start, we start building up our comfortably numb security. You know, the first thing we do is we go, okay, well, I've got, I'm going to have to retire at some stage, so I need to have a nest egg. I need, to, I need to get my super going. I need to have a pension going. And so we do all these things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But unbeknown to us, we become those people that are building towards a comfortably numb situation or life in, in our lives. That's what falling backward is. Falling forward is when you take a risk. And you spend your life taking risks. There's nobody there to catch you, and it's going to hurt, just like that guy. There's nobody at the back going to catch you. You fall forward. But here's what Denzel says. I've spent my life falling forward. Because when I fall backwards, I think there's somebody to catch me, but sometimes there isn't. And because I can't see behind me, I don't actually know what the outcome of that's going to be. But if I fall forwards, I know exactly what I'm falling on. It's going to hurt, but I've fallen forwards and I've moved a little bit further ahead as opposed to a bit further backwards. And when you fall forwards and you fail and you hurt yourself, the, thing, the great thing about that is, you can see what you did, you see what you fell on, the next time you fall, you do it a bit better. Until you succeed. Until you're falling like a stuntman who knows how to fall and not get hurt. When you take a risk, you shatter the boundaries that surround you. You see, when we, when we are, are fearful of taking a risk, we put these barriers up around us, these huge walls. And we live in the space that, that, that's, that's left to us. And it's a comfortable space. There's no, there's no, there's no trouble. There's no unexpected things. There's, it's super comfortable. But that's all it is. You see, when you take a risk... For the first time ever, you climb the, bar the barrier and you peep over. And for the first time, you see something greater that you ever thought was there. The first time ever, when you take a risk, you get a vision of greater things. And even if you have to tumble and fall in that case, when you land back in the place that you are, you're never going to be happy again with where you are. You're always going to be seeking that great thing that you saw. Do you know, we get so um, enamored by stories that we hear people like millionaires who made a million and lost it again, and then they went up and they made it again, and, and we think that's a great story. But I'm telling you, the greatness in that story isn't the fact that they got up the second time. The greatness is that they got up the first time. Because it's so much easier to go the second time when you know what you saw. It's only when you saw that thing and you thought, that's my, that's my destiny. I can't live in this place anymore. 
I can't stay here. It's too safe. We, let's put it this way, has our current comfort zone begun to become our future regret zone? Good reaction. I was, you know, I was like, God, I hope they go, whoa, where they do that. <laughs> we have been so good at becoming risk assessors instead of risk takers. We are good at covering our own behinds. We are very good at that. We know how to do that. In fact, I've got to, I'm going to make a call quickly. Where's my phone? Oh, I don't need a phone. I'll just make the call. A free phone. Give me the phone. Thank you. Yeah, some bad stuff on this phone. <laughs> so should I show it up on the screen? <laughs> Hello, 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 is this uh, Heaven Insurance? <laughs> well, you know, like I've been thinking about my future and I, I'd like to know what it is going to take for me to ensure my, my place in heaven. Well, mate, <laughs> I'm glad you phoned me because there's a couple of things that you need to tick. There's a couple of things, boxes that you need to tick. Uh, the first one you need to tick is that you need to be a follower of Jesus. Done. I followed Jesus on Instagram the other day. Awesome. I'm there. Well, that's well, well done. I mean, you're way ahead of many other people, actually. You, you, you're right up there. Um, the next thing you've got to tick is uh, church. Church? Are you sure? You know, I went to church Christmas Day and Easter. Is that not good enough? No, I'm afraid, you know, you've got to do church a little bit more than that. You know, what, what we try to say is that you can be insured if you go to church once a month. Once a month? That's a heavy thing, you know what? That's really bad. That's, that's, but, but, you know, I suppose if that's, if that's what it's going to take to get me in heaven, once a month's fine. What, what else do I need to do? What, what, you know, what, how, what's the premium? What's the cost? What's the, what's the cost of this? Well, the cost, you know, it varies. We've got a couple of packages. We've got a uh, gold package and silver package. Um, the gold package is actually for, um, for people who live in places like North Korea where the risk of uh, their, their faith is quite high. Um, and so the premium is quite high in those places because, you know, they, they, they're constantly risking their lives. And so we've got we to gotta make the premiums a lot higher. So, so their premium is 10% of their income. 10%! Jeez. Poor buggers. 10%. What about Australia? Well, Australia, you hit the gold mine. Australia, it's way cheaper than that. You're so lucky. Australia, America, New Zealand, Europe, it's much cheaper. It's only about 2%. 2%, still a bit too high. Don't you have a, like a startup free package? You know, just like the, the bronze package. Don't you have one of those? Yeah, we do, but we don't really share that bronze package. You can take it if you want. In fact, most people take that package, but I'm telling you now, uh, it's, not, it's not a really great package because it's one of those packages, buy now, pay later. What do you mean by buy now, pay later? What I mean is you get it free now, but it's going to cost a little bit later when, when you get to the gates. The Apostle Paul says that you can enter, but as through the fire. As through the fire... That sounds harsh. Uh, uh, 
But I'm going to still go with the free package because that's later. I, I don't need to deal with that now. Let's go with the free package. You can have your phone back. There are some parts of all of us where we were before we became Christians and some parts of that where we are now. I'm not saying that's this church. Of course not. This is a great church. But I'm saying that we need to address some of the issues that we deal with and how we make ourselves so numb in what God is really calling us to do. God is calling us to be risk takers. And we're going to be looking at a scripture this morning. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I'm, you know, I, read the, I read the Bible through every once a year. Every year I read the whole Bible. And there's some scriptures in there that I, that I, I kind of think that I got it. And so I'll read it, and I, I won't even stop. I'll just go on to the next one because I kind of, I've already got that one and I understand it. But every now and then, uh, God will actually pop something out in that scripture and, and go, you not got it. You don't got it. You don't have it. You don't got it. I'm going to show you something that I want you to look at. You see, the reason why we do that sometimes is because we, we, we read Scripture through our own life experiences, through the, the culture that we're in. And so we read it and we sort of we try and make it, we try and make it sort of fit into our, into our life experience or our culture. But that's not necessarily what God's truth is. So sometimes God wants you to get a truth and he's going to show you something. And this scripture that I'm reading this morning to you it is exactly what happened. When I read it, I realized that I actually knew the opposite of what the truth was. So I'm hoping that God is going to do something with you as you read with me this morning too. That God's going to also give you a new understanding of the scripture. We're going to go to Matthew 25, 14 to 30. If you could turn there in your Bibles, on your smartphones. Matthew 25, 40 to 30. This is one of three parables where God is talking um, about what the kingdom's like and what uh, the master of the kingdom requires from the servants who are us. All right, we all there? Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So the master is clearly Jesus or God who has much wealth, and the servants are us. And Jesus went on his journey to sit at the right hand uh, with God. So that's the journey he's talking about. Um, and he gi he's given us through the Holy Spirit different talents and different bags of gold. Um, and so the man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned because Jesus will return and he will want to settle his account with us. He returns and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Who wants to hear God say that to you? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful friends. You have been faithful to a few. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you, Master. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered. That is a replica of somebody who takes risks. It's telling you that God takes risks. Just remember that. You knew that I harvest where I have not laid seed and I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. This is a hard scripture. But this is Jesus speaking. Not me. This is Jesus speaking. And I'm going to make it a little bit harder. Is that okay? Okay, I'm just going to make it a bit harder. I'm going to read that final section there from the message because I think it illustrates a little bit more what, what the father feels when the man with one bag brings only one back. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have give, gotten a little bit of interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this, play it safe, who won't go out on a limb. You know, when I first read this scripture, and I think that you'll probably be going through the same thing, it's like, I'm finding this hard, Jesus, to correlate this with the loving Father that I know. I'm finding it hard, Jesus, when I, when I, when I, when I know about your grace, and yet I read this. I mean, this is not a man that went and took the, the, the money and went and blew it. If he had done that, I would understand how furious God was. If you'd just gone and taken it and gone, whatever, I'm out of here. I'm just going to keep this. But he brought the whole amount back. Not one thing missing. He brought it all back. But God is furious with him. He's absolutely furious with him. 
So we're going to go through three points because I don't want to leave you like that. I want you to understand why it is that God is so angry when we take the talents that God gives us and we return them back to him with no investment. The first point I have is this. God entrusts you with his talents. We read in the scriptures that the one who got five talents went and made five. He took a risk. Do you understand that? He took a risk with the five. He actually went and he turned one five into another five and he took a risk in doing so. And we think of that as the risk, but really, where did the first risk take place? The master took the first risk. The master gave his wealth to the servants, and he entrusted them with it. How many of us give our wealth to somebody else and say, you know, I entrust you with this? The master gave everything that he had to the servants. And he says, I'm entrusting you. I'm entrusting you with this. The word entrusting means I'm making you responsible. There's a duty on you to do with this as you have seen me do. I am one who reaps where I have not sown, who scatters seed, uh, collects where I have, haven't scattered seed. In other words, I'm one who's taking a risk all the time. I expect you to take a risk with me. You know, I think we, we misunderstand how much value these, these, in the King James Version, it's not called gold, bags of gold, it's called talents. And I always thought talents was like a coin. But reading up, a talent is actually 38 kilos of gold. In fact, they used to put it together in a clump, and they even used to make a handle in it so that it could be carried because it was too heavy to carry. A talent of gold was worth 15 years' wage. So the man who received... Five talents of gold would have received a lifetime of wages. And so the trust on that man was great because he could have taken it and just gone off to a different country and he would, wouldn't have had to work again for the rest of his life. So there's a great trust that God puts upon us when he gives us the talents. I'm speaking to you about why he gets so cross when you bring it back because he's putting a great trust upon you already. One of the things that I think that we fail to understand about when we get God's talents given to us is that we constantly, not probably consciously, but constantly are thinking that what we have belongs to us. It's my talent, it's my gifting, it's my ability, it's my money. And what I'm going to do is, because I'm, I'm securing myself and I'm, I'm securing myself in heaven, I'm going to give him 10% to keep God happy When you get to the, re the reality in your mind that everything that you have, including every cell in your body, every breath that you have, every material thing that you have, every, every family member that you have belongs to God, all you're doing is giving back to Him that was already His. And so because we sometimes think that it's ours, it becomes painful to give it back because it's mine. Yeah, it's 10%, God. It's like, you know, I've got debts to pay and I've got this to do and I've got that today. And, you know, well, yeah, take it if I must. All my talents. 
It's my time that I'm sacrificing. It's not your time. It's God's time. God gave you the talent and entrusted you to do something with it. The fact that you're left with 90% of your talent and 90% of your finances is because God is so gracious on you. He leaves 90% with you of His. It's His and He leaves 90% with you. And the only reason why He wants the 10% is just so that we're reminded that it belongs to Him. Not that He needs it. He doesn't want it back. The servant's saying there, the master says, you just brought me back. I'm furious with you. I don't want it back. I want you to do something with it. Number two, God gives talents according to our abilities. You know, sometimes we, we think we get the word gift, talents, and abilities a little bit sort of, you know, we, we're not too sure whether there's any difference in them. But I believe what, what God is saying here about abilities, we have natural born gifts or you know, um, talents that we get. Like some people are, are just naturally good sports people. Some people are great at painting and you know, others are not. Um, so you know, we could call that gifts or we could call them talents or abilities, whatever. But I believe that there's a distinction here because God gives talents according to your ability. They're two separate things. All right? So in this case scenario, there's a talent that's given to you and there's an ability. And I believe what, what God is talking about in terms of abilities right here is um, when, you, when you first learned to ride a bike and you got on, you fell off. But then you carried on every day and all of a sudden you could ride. You grew your ability. That's what an ability is. If you, do, if you, if you can't do something, you are disabled. If, you, if you're given an opportunity to do something, you're enabled. But are you able to do something from the start? Most of us are not. And so as we work at something, when I started playing tennis, I was terrible. And now I can play tennis. <laughs> I opened myself up for that one, didn't I? Isaac? You're in trouble next time we play, man. But the truth of the matter is that my ability has grown because I've pursued it and I've worked at it and I've, I've done things with it. That's why the scripture says, well done, good and faithful friend. To the one who's done, who had five bags, he says, you were faithful with the few. But he had five. Surely the one who got one was faithful with a few. Not so. Because there was a time when he had one. And, his, and he was successful. When he had the one, he took the risk and he produced two. And so God gave him the next time, according to his ability, he gave him two. And when he had two, he turned two into four. And because he did that, the next time God gives you according to your ability and your responsibility to handle the things of God, God gives you more. That's why it says, you were faithful of you, now I will give you more. But it always comes back down to the one. What you do with the one. And praise God that he hasn't returned yet to get an account. Because the grace of God is on us right now and the grace of God is... And so if you've taken... If, you, if you've ever been in a place where you know that you should step in a risk but you've been too scared and you've done nothing, praise God that you're under grace. But it's time for us to now start taking a risk with God's talents 
and moving forward. I can tell you something right now, that God is more, more happy with somebody who takes a risk and fails than somebody who does nothing with it. Because God knows your heart. We're so afraid of failure because we think it's us that's going to fail. I'm going to look bad. It's not you. It's Jesus that you're carrying. It's the Spirit of God that's in you that you're carrying. And as you try something and the devil does something to trip you up and you fail, you have done well, good servant. Because once you fail and you trip, you fell forward, you can see how to do it the next time, and eventually you will succeed. And when God comes to, to give an account... You can say, God, you gave me five years, five back. But if you still keep on falling backwards, you will never learn how to succeed. Take a risk. Take a leap of faith on God. This is the final point, and I, and I really, this one, if you, if you forget anything I've said this morning, just, I want you to know this one. This one I want you to take home with you. God cares about his talents because it cost him so much. There's a cost that Jesus has given in order for you to have his talents. I'm going to give you an illustration that will help you understand what I'm saying. There's an Indian family, born into poverty, mom, dad, three kids. They work out in the fields. They harvest food for, for their master. And, and they're amongst many other families that do the same thing. They live in a shack. Their, um, their, their daily living is, is very meager and very basic. They bring very little money home. And they have to work, all of them, all the family, even the children have to work really hard in order for them just to survive. And one day the dad was in the fields and he was just accounting to the fact that, he, that his dad and his, his grandpa and the one before that had all lived in poverty, had all be, always been in the same place as he was. And he was fulfilling the same generational state that his parents were. And he said, you know, I've got to change this. I've got to change the destiny for my family, for the future generations, for my children. I've got to do something. So he goes home and he speaks to his wife and he said, wife, we've got to do something. Even the little luxuries that we have, we're going to now save that money. We're going to have no luxuries. And we're going to put that money aside every single month, every month until we have enough to send our son to Australia to go to university. And when he gets to university, he's going to get himself a degree. And when he's got a degree, he's going to get enough money to become prosperous. And he's going to change the very nature. He's going to break the chains, break everything off. And he's going to bring my, my, the rest of my children across and maybe even us. And we'll come. And the generation is going to change from then on. I have a hope and a dream. And so they spend 10 years sacrificing, absolutely sacrificing, having nothing, skinny and hungry. And the day comes when there's enough money and they haven't told the son. And so they call the son and say, son, I've got son a gift to give you. I've got some talents to give you. I've got enough money and I'm going to send you today. Today you are flying to Australia and you're going to go and you're going to study at university. You're going to sign up and you're going to get a degree and the son's jubilant, wouldn't you be? Yeah. 
Wouldn't you be? You've been working your bum off every single day. It's hard. He's so excited. He gets on the plane and he goes to Australia and he's like, whoa, this place is amazing. You know, lattes, cappuccinos, this is so good. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, fear comes on him. Because he looks at what his dad and his mom and his, his brothers and sisters have done in order, the sacrifices they've made to, to bring him to this place. And suddenly he's fearful and he's going, if I sign up, I'm going to fail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to waste all this money. I'm going to fail completely. I, I, I'm, I'm not bright. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose it all. So what does he do? He turns around and he flies back home and he gets home and he says, Dad, I'm so sorry, but I was so scared I was going to fail. I thought it would be better if I just bring all your money back. How do you think the dad felt? He's furious. Furious. I sacrificed for 10 years. If I wanted the money, I would have done it for myself. I want to change things in the world. I want things to change in the future. I gave you that so that you could change everything about how you live and how the future generations. I need that for us to be set free. I don't want it back. It's not what I did it for. And Jesus put himself on the cross so that you can take the talent and do something with it. Go and bring a joy to somebody else. Go and bring encouragement to somebody else. Go and bring uh, life to somebody else. Go and set somebody else free. Give them the truth. Help them financially. Break the barriers that other people have got. If you bring it back to him and Jesus died on the cross for no reason. No wonder why he's so cross. Jesus says in Revelation, I wish that you were rather hot or cold, but lukewarm I cannot drink. I spit it out. If you're hot, it means you're on fire for God. You are faithful. You are obedient. You are working the way I love you to work. But if you're cold, it means that you're actually anti-me. You're probably an atheist. But at least if somebody who's an atheist is on fire for what they believe in, they, are the, they, are, they have a zest in their spirit to tell everybody that God is not real. They have a zest. I can work with that. I turned Saul, who was against me, into be the greatest apostle in the world. And I can do that with, I can do that with, with, with an with a atheist. But a lukewarm warm who sits on the fence, I cannot turn. And that's why it makes me so cross. Church, we have to get out of comfortably numb. We have to be willing to take a risk for God. We have to start using the talents that God has given us and using to the best of our abilities. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. And he said, Jesus, if that's you, you call me. And Jesus said, come. And he was obedient and he walked out on the water. None of the other disciples have that, have that great thing that they can put on their names that they walked in water. Only, only Peter could say, I walked in water along with Jesus Christ. It took a risk. If you want to be extraordinary for the kingdom of God, you need to take a risk. Let's stand.
I just don't, I don't want to leave it there. I want to pray and, I'll, and I want to uh, give you uh, an opportunity just to respond to what God's saying this morning. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord God. As you speak to our hearts, Lord God, help us to not be hardened, but, Lord, to receive and to, and to allow you to change the way we see things and think things through, Lord God. Father, I'm here because, uh, not because I, 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 I've, I've been called or, I, or I've been paid to be. I'm here because I love you. And because I'm here, Lord God, I want you to change me so that when I walk out the door, that I walk out a little bit different this morning. I want to be seeing something different this morning. I want to know that when, when an opportunity comes, Lord God, I want to know, Father God, that I can step out and take a risk and take a failure if it happens. If somebody laughs at me or mocks me, it doesn't matter, Lord God, because they're laughing at you, not laughing at me. But strengthen me, God. Strengthen me to move forward to fall forward in my life, for my family, for you and the kingdom, and for myself. In your precious name, amen. If there's anybody here that um, has never given their life to Jesus Christ, and you want that opportunity, you feel like, man, I, I, I don't know... Um, I don't know what's going on right now, but I can feel something happening within me. I feel, I feel like, um, you know, maybe a bit emotional. I feel, I, I feel, I know that there's something a little bit different. I just wanted to give you a quickly an opportunity to respond to Jesus at the moment. So on the count of three, if you would just slip up your hand, because we want to pray for you. I don't want you to go home thinking, should I do, you know, can I just say something? Maybe this is your risk. You know, maybe this is the risk time that you need to throw up your hand. Uh, uh, first of all, I just want you to throw up your hand uh, if, if, you, if, you, if you feel like I want to be the guy, the girl that starts taking risks. If you just put up your hand right now, if you want to start taking more risks. If you want to be a person that says, God, count me in. Thank you for the hands. Come on. Throw up your hands if you want to take risks. Thank you for those hands. Let's take what we, we're saying right now and let's make them work. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you could throw up your hand quickly so that we can pray for you and we can set you on a path. So in the count of three, if you want to know Jesus Christ, just, just uh, throw up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, let's take a risk. If you need to take a risk with Jesus Christ, now is the moment, now is the time. If you don't know Jesus and you don't know um, and you're sick and tired of being on that, that hamster wheel and you're sick and tired of things going round and round, I want you to be able to throw up your hand and say, God, I, I need you. I want to follow you. I want, to, I want you to take over my life. Last couple of seconds. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening this morning. I bless you this morning. Amen. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.